0: Hi, this is Vanessa Ruiz and you're listening to Good Acid, a talk show style podcast featuring guests who are shaping the food and drink culture in Paris. If you're like me, at some point you've probably thought about opening up your own business in Paris, but when you begin to think about all of the legal hurdles you'll face on top of a language barrier, it can feel pretty daunting. Even more so when you haven't lived here for a very long time and maybe you don't feel as French as you should, whatever that's supposed to mean. Well, I have a special guest today to really bring joy to all your hopes and dreams. But, no really, I mean, today's guest is Ashley Guiri, and I hope I pron- pronounced that correctly. She's an American living in Paris for a few years now, and she owns a wine shop in the 14th called prune Gev. and despite all of the odds, she's managed to create and build a successful business here in the city, and I couldn't be more inspired by her. Now, I don't want to give away too much of the conversation we've had, so how about you just give this episode a listen. Hello, Ashley. Hi. How are you? So great.
1: (laughs) No, start (laughs) over.
0: Okay. Hi, Ashley. Hey, Vanessa. How are you? So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm really excited to talk today. Um, You and I had an amazing conversation recently. And I thought you'd be perfect for this podcast. Um, You, as an American, who you've been living here, you started your own business, Prune. It's a really awesome uh, wine and beer shop here on the 14th. And I feel like you have a lot to say, a lot to teach other people. I think it's really, um, I think it's really influential and it's really inspiring. And I'm really excited for us to get down and chat about all of that. So I first want you to kind of give me and give all of us a little background on yourself and, you know, your professional background, your personal background. Just, you know, give us all of it.
1: Sure. Um, Well, first off, I grew up in California, left pretty quickly to go study in New York. Right out of graduation, I started working just a boring New York Fifth Avenue corporate job. And I think like most people realize that wasn't for me (laughs) very quickly. Um, I was lucky enough to have... Quite a few friends who were really in the wine scene, studying, you know, wanting to be psalms, doing all of that, blind tastings. And that was really where I first got exposed to the wine world and just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, After that, I decided to just, you know, leave my job, started working in the service industry pretty quickly, work my way up to being a Caviste in New York as well. And uh, I really liked the flexibility that working in the service industry gave me. I had the chance to travel back and forth to France and U.S. as much as I wanted. And then finally, I decided that I was going to take my W set um, in French just to kind of, you know, level up my knowledge because I knew ultimately that I wanted to move back to Paris Yeah. and um, continued working as a Caviste. And now I'm the owner of my own shop today. Um, but another important thing about me, I will say, is my, one of my biggest passions in life is cooking. I've always loved cooking from a young age. Mm -hmm. I've always been obsessed with food knowledge, um, wanting to learn things, making things from scratch. Um, I have, sounds silly to say, but I always knew that my nose (laughs) was very sensitive and I was always kind of training my nose without even realizing it before. And so I feel like that kind of lifetime of just cultivating my culinary knowledge has really helped me so much um, as a caviste and also explains a lot why I ended up falling in love and becoming a caviste in the end. So
0: yeah. and so when was that in New York? Around what year? So I graduated in Well, how long have you been living in Paris? I've
1: been living in Paris for permanently almost five years now. Okay. Um I so was say like twenty fifteen, like, yeah. I wanna say. Yeah. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I can't even... I feel like that life is just so behind me. I know. I don't even It's like pre-Paris, connect. after Paris.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So you've been here for five years. Now you have your cave. Yes. And for you, I want to talk about like... I'm really interested in what the customer is like because I know nothing about the 14th. Mm-hmm. You live here on the 14th. It's a completely different world. I'm over Absolutely. on the other end of the pond. What on a day-to-day, what kind of customers do you see here? Because... I want to point out the kind of product that you have here, of course, is natural wine, Mm -hmm. all naturally fermented uh, products, beers, I'm assuming. You have artisanal liquors, um, artisanal cider, kombucha, all of that. But like, what's your customer here um, looking for and what kind of conversations do you have like day to day?
1: Well, first of all, it's important to note that our location, Rue Daguerre, is a very emblematic, lively area. Um, It's a beautiful mix of art and gastronomy so there's tons of shops we're in we're in a really nice location so yeah. i will say that our customer is very much a um what's the word very very gourmand they're they're very looking um interested in what they're consuming I will right. say that they're they're, kind they're of conscious like, and they're they're like conscious they're looking for um new things to try mm-hmm. and they might not know they might not know as much but they are they're very curious. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Our 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 general demographic are young families. This is a very neighborhoody kind of arrondissement. The fourteenth is much quieter. It's a much slower pace. So we have a very mixed clientele, but I will say the majority of our we You have people with taste. Yeah, absolutely. Young families, um, huge demand for a natural wine, uh big demand as well for craft beer especially because on this side of Paris in the 14th there are very few specialized beer shops on the other side you know of course 10th 11th there's tons of places to get craft yeah. beer but here is a little bit of a desert in terms of beer so um, that brings a lot of clients and on top of that we do have a very um a mixed clientele in the sense that there are also you know the neighborhood here people who just live live nearby, and also an older clientele. We do have many people who are retired, um, older, older customers come in regularly as well, so a little bit of everything, which is great.
0: I think you've gotten really lucky with that kind of clientele, because even, even on the other side, with a lot of friends who I know who are cavists, they struggle a lot with the customers, um, <clears throat> for better or worse. The, 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 the typical French customers is very traditionalist. Yes. And they're uh, not close-minded, but they have a very clear view of what they want or what they believe they want. And it's nice that you kind of have customers who... And, you know, the fact that you're American and, like, you're selling them um, products and they trust you right. is a huge deal, too. I mean, to be honest, I mean, mm-hmm. let's not, like, beat around the bush. Like, you're American. It's, you're an American wine shop owner. And I'm sure maybe for them initially, that might be a little bit of a, not a shock, but kind of like a moment of confusion for them. Or oh, what's, what's she going to say? What, mm-hmm. what kind of, you know, what kind of, what kind of products are going to be in her shop? But the fact that like you've told me before, people come in, you have regular customers, they listen to you, they Absolutely. trust you. And I think thankfully also the product speaks speaks for itself. I mean, you have amazing, <clears throat> you have wine from amazing winemakers and and really cool craft beer places and so the product speaks for itself and i'm sure they end up buying something they're super happy with it and then they come back and you know i think that's something you should really be proud of Thank what i've you. told you before Thank you so much i think it's really incredible the fact that you've been able to open up a wine shop especially especially i do want to say in a neighborhood that isn't The 11th the 12th when you do have way more expats when you do have way more um foreigners you know you really are in a neighborhood where it's like very french you know absolutely so that's that's very true i love how you just celebrated a year this month thank you yes and you're doing well for yourself um but i do want to talk about something that i think that people are going to find really interesting to know about is i want to kind of get into the details of what it was like for you Um, to open up the shop. I mean, like, the whole, like, legalities of it. I mean, you and I have uh, talked about this before, but I think people need to know because other people probably hope to open up their own businesses in Paris or in France. Mm -hmm. And the fact that French is not your first language, the fact that you have to go through that, and it's not that easy, and it's not cheap, you know, with with, uh, liquor licenses. And also, there's very old laws in France and Paris about about liquor licenses in in wine shops and restaurants and bars. I mean, any legal process is difficult.
1: (laughs) Being a business owner in any capacity is difficult. Being a foreigner just adds another layer on top of that. Yeah. So in our case, we had so many things going on at once. Um, We were doing a gut renovation. We had these insanely tight deadlines because we needed to open before Christmas time. We had a complex sale. There were so many things going on. Mm -hmm. And the process is, as you said, just... (laughs) painful. Um, it's very slow. There's a lot of roadblocks along the way, a lot of red tape, if you will. Um, I will say, um, being a, being a foreigner put me in a, a difficult position in many instances, for example, going to the bank, trying to explain our project to them, them not taking me seriously. Um, I was lucky enough to bring on my husband as a partner to kind of get through this process as fast as possible. Who is French. Yes, he's French. And, you know, they wouldn't take me seriously. I would seriously be, in what way though? Seriously in a way. Um, I'm explaining to my project and they're asking me, oh, but why do you need so many champagnes in your shop? Champagne is expensive. Why, why do you need this budget? Um, what, how many bottles of champagne do you need in your shop? Isn't five enough? Right. Like absolutely not. Five is not enough. Mm-hmm. Five is not even the minimum. And also asking me, um, you, know, you, you haven't worked in France for more than X amount of years. Right. Do you think you can even handle being a business owner? How long, just questioning everything, which right. is a part of the process. But the part that really did not sit well with me was they started taking it you know, even layers further. And I'm specifically talking about the banks in, right. this, in this instance. They were asking me, at what age do I plan on having children? Because if I'm going to be a business owner and I'm going to need to take time off because I'm pregnant and because I have a child, what age am I going to start a family? I wonder um, if those
0: questions are asked in the U.S. I mean, I've never owned. I don't a think a so. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think so. On top of that, they were, you know, very. But do you think it's because here they have chômage and they have. I think that all of those other it. things that yes. are like. <clears throat> they, there are so many. Um, how do you say? Like there's so many things put in place to protect employees and workers and business owners that are, they that are very that expensive to it. the ungo- to the government. It's yes. really expensive. So I think that's maybe, I don't know, but that is, I would feel. I a do. I do think, th- I do think that is as an American, not expecting those kinds of questions.
1: Yeah. I, I think that is totally valid. Um, I also just didn't feel like if I was alone and I had, spoken up for myself. A lot of, a lot of things that I said were not really taken at face value. I always had to defend where I was coming from. Um, and you know, they asked me if I was, if I would be able to continue living alone in France, if my husband were to die suddenly, would I be able to continue running the business? Um, you know, things like that. And they just were not seeing the vision and that's okay. You know, we, we, Did what they needed us to do. We provided every single thing that we needed to do paperwork wise, legal wise. And I guess my biggest advice for anyone wanting to start a business is to just get started. Do anything on your end that you can start, you know, registering your website, start registering your business, Um, stay organized and be patient because the entire process will take five, six, seven times longer than you can ever plan
0: for or think that it will. Yeah. And how did that... From from the moment you guys said, okay, I want to, I wanna, we want to open up this business. Mm-hmm. And then you went online and you started doing your Googling and you went on online to, you know, register your business to the moment you really, let's say, got approved for the bank loan to start mm-hmm. everything. Like how long was that? Do you have like a rough idea?
1: Well, we were in, again, like a very complicated, like legal sale. There were a lot of issues from the seller um, a lot of documents that the seller had not provided to the banks. Mm-hmm. So we were really kind of at his mercy to oh, right. to continue the process. Yeah. Um, so I would say it took uh, almost five months to from start to finish, yeah. but even after those five months, which we were open, it's a long time. We still have, I mean, there are still legal things that are being resolved to this day right. um, that are ongoing. So, um, In terms of signing the paperwork, we did everything we could to do that as fast as possible. And even then, that was three, four and a half months into the process. So it's a lot longer than I thought it would be.
0: And from the time you had the keys, I mean, let's say. We had about
1: one and a half months to do a gut renovation. Really? (laughs) Yeah. It was intense. It was so crazy. And also, you have to keep in mind that... from my perspective.
0: But it was a wine shop before, right? Yes, but
1: complete. <laughs> right, right There was yeah. nothing. We kept nothing from the store. Nothing, not even the walls, the doors. I mean, it was completely redone, which yeah. was necessary. Also, we wanted to break away from the previous store, the previous image, complete rebrand. Right. Um, because we have nothing to do with what the shop was before.
0: And I want to, because, you know, on a podcast there's no visual cues but the shop is beautiful it's like super modern very minimalist thank you super clean i feel like instead of you have a few wine boxes but not in the sense that they're all over the place and you can't walk and you feel very overwhelmed and bombarded i feel like you can just walk around look at everything very neatly that was our goal from the very beginning i wanted to build a modern
1: Epule, very clean wine cave, something new and refreshing because, as you said, you know, some wine shops, there's boxes everywhere you can't walk. And I really hate that feeling, especially when you're trying to buy a bottle of wine and let's be honest, there are some cabbies that are very aggressive. They're really trying to make that sale. They're in your face. And then on top of that, you can't really make your decision. You're feeling that kind of pressure. And when I wanted people to come into Prune, I wanted everyone to feel welcome. I wanted there to be no sense of, you know, pretension in the shop. I wanted it to feel like a place that didn't necessarily feel like a wine shop, but at the same time would be inviting and, you know, open for people to come and enjoy, not... I wanted something completely new and different.
0: I think, well, I think the fact that you've been so successful this year, like you've said, um, proves to what you're doing and and dare I say changing the traditional types of service that you can receive in a wine shop here in Paris for better or for worse. And I think that's proving that, you know, it works. People do want good service. People do want... um, things to be a little bit more organized and people do appreciate um, a little sense of um, individual individualization in the sense of like, you know, you have reoccurring customers that you remember, you know what they bought last time. Absolutely. You start to understand their tastes and that's exactly what a wine shop should be. It should be the kind of place that you stop by once or twice a week every time you need something to bring home or every time you have a party Um I think that's really great what you're doing.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Okay, a so lot. you it's a, it's been a year. I mean, do you have anything else? What's next for Prune? Is there anything else that you have planned or to grow? or? Well, I'm always on the hunt for a second location. It oh, was, really? I, yes. Oh, wow. I am
1: dreaming of expanding. Right. And actually, our uh, initial vision for Prune was to be more of like a cap manger. Unfortunately, this space was just... Too small to be able to put even a minimal type of kitchen. Right. We wanted to have beers on top, wines on top. We needed a whole system, and again, under those tight deadlines, we weren't willing to just rip up all the plumbing, rip up the floor, and add on another layer.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, I would. But this is a really good way to like get your foot in the door because once you bring in a kitchen, once you bring in you know employees that you have to hire because exactly that's like a whole nother can of worms. We want to grow. We'll grow you know, little
1: by little, but I would love to see Prune evolve in the way our customers have been asking us to do kind of more events. We want to include um, our communities and provide to them as best as we can, you know, whether that be in the form of classes, whether that be in the form of just, you know, events, monthly things. Um, we're we're
0: working on that. But I think it's going to be really great for springtime. And you have after, after uh, all of the wine tastings that are going to happen in the early what is that late late winter early springtime in, in February I think that's going to be a really fun way to kind of like revive yourself and start to think of really fun stuff to do with winemakers have them come and you know host events and host tastings um but uh, would but I love to and I think also too I think now that you have your wine shop At least in France, I feel like it's even it's pretty easy to kind of like move on to that next step, which is like to have uh, a place like with a kitchen that provide that has a little bit of food. And that's super easy for the French to understand, like, you know, part half wine shop, half half um, half bar. And I think like here is a perfect place to. But would you say in the neighborhood
1: that is something we talk about? almost every day it's hard to say I feel like once we find the space wherever that may be we're pretty open-minded um, it would be nice to stay in the 14th but part of me also wants to see what else is out there yeah and you know I would be happy to open anywhere in Paris if the space is right and the timing is right
0: yeah because this the place that you have now I just when I rode uh when I rode my bike on my way to here I was really pleasantly surprised that the street is like you, i'm sure you have a, tons of foot traffic it's like the kind of place where i'm sure on the weekends everyone is getting their groceries it's closed the off cars as well
1: on sundays it's very it's a huge pedestrian street
0: i think it was a really smart move to, to yeah to we be had here. to
1: and honestly we get people every day asking us if we well not every day i would say every week it was an exaggeration every week asking us if we want to sell they're looking for space it's a very really? desirable location oh wow
0: That's pretty nice. Well, um, I want to move on to the next little part. It's, um, I ask every single guest on the show. It's kind of like a mini food and drink guide just because every single person that I interview is someone who absolutely goes out in Paris and I'm sure they have tons of recommendations. There's a million and one places in Paris. And even though, I live here, we all live here, we are always finding out about something we've never heard of. And I was hoping that maybe you'd have a few recommendations for me and for the guests okay. of places that you really like and you can definitely stay in this neighborhood because it's your it's sure. your it's your it's your home. But I don't know, you tell me as a wine shop owner what kinds of places do you look forward to on your days off with your husband, with your friends.
1: Well, the first two I'll just get out of the way because I think everyone already knows them. But La quito whether it's the cab or the bar, is kind of our spot. We love being there. Um, great people, one of our faves. Uh, Folderol as well, which everyone knows. Wine shop and ice cream. Which is so love. genius. It's, ju- it's, it's just, such an easy concept. I just love what they're doing. I just love what they're doing. It's so
0: great. That's so you too, and, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like something, or a something wine shop. modern,
1: something modern, a, a twist. I, I love Full because the great. design inside is modern. So those two out of the way. I will say more locally in the 15th, there's actually a wonderful. Um, couple who runs Sheba Cafe in the 15th. It's a matcha cafe. Oh, wow. And I, I absolutely love it. And I will say it is better than many of the matcha places I have tried in Paris, if not the best. Um, also in the 15th, there's a lovely restaurant called Pilgrim for a nice little splurge. Um, incredible. If you can get out there, it's so worth it. And another place that we end up going to is in the 12th so a bit far from here um it's called pure oh yeah yeah we love going there Derek, i know them awesome. very well yeah. yeah and a place i haven't been to yet but is on my list is a recently opened by carlos moreno and it's called comer it's a new restaurant in mexican restaurant in the 10th
0: oh so, no i
1: don't know um, we haven't been there yet but we have already ordered like his taco kits and and different things from him, Saul says So we're really excited to go try that place. Okay. And then for fun, <laughs> this is kind of silly, but I really love the Librairie gourmande in the second. Oh yes, I love going there. Just getting lost in the shelves. Um, there's I a love, huge I love selection. Books. Yeah, and food and wine as well. There's yeah. there's a great selection there and in
0: French and English. Exactly. Yeah,
1: which is really important. And another place that I am. It's going to be on my list, and I want to shout out is Abrico Bar.
0: Oh, I don't um, know. Oh, actually, so Allison I do.
1: Cave. Okay. Um, I think this week they're doing like a Chrimaca kind of pop up bar for the week. So I will try to get over there probably tomorrow. Um,
0: but yeah, those are some of the places off the top of my head. Those are amazing. I'm and, gonna have them written down elsewhere, probably okay. in the show notes for everyone and for myself. And Let's for dessert,
1: them. I will say we're really lucky we're close to Cyril Lignac oh yeah it's one just behind kind of Montparnasse in that area Mm -hmm. um so I will say if I really want something I'll I'll go there and I love his palais blast.
0: are we are we buying Montparnasse yes Montparnasse is just over there well I'll let you know Combat do you know the bar Combat they just open up their place Mm -hmm. there You'll have to go there because now you have one in your hood. Yes. You have one in mine. Yeah, on the I other checked it end. out
1: um, during the opening. Oh, you did? I did, yeah. It was fun. I had a, a really nice uh, gin and tonic on tap.
0: Really? I l- really love what she's doing. But I, I d- love that that's
1: over here. We need that kind of energy. Yeah, and, definitely.
0: Um, it, it is a good sign
1: that... I think it was a good move for her. I think her.
0: We're, we're the closest wine shop to that. Wine. I think it was a that good move, move for wine wine her. Ice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. It's it a pleasure. It was a pleasure. pleasure. So nice. Between you opening Cave, all of the struggles that you've had, but you've been able to succeed. Um, again, it's really inspiring for me personally. Um, you know me and my projects that I have going on. I think it was really refreshing and really comforting to hear someone like you, a fellow American, successfully opening up their own business, being able to create connections with uh, with the French something that, you know, warms my heart and gives me hope for the future. Um, so I wanna thank you again. Thank you so much. It was lovely to to you.